0: Hi, we're so excited that you stopped by to check out this week's podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the sermon. If you'd like more info about Providence, visit our website, providencecommunity.org. We hope to see you soon. Uh, but I want to talk to you all uh, just for a moment. There's actually something really on my heart, and I didn't try to uh, to line it up with our children's dedication this morning, uh, but it is, if I was going to title this message something, I would call it childlike. Um... I don't know about you, but uh, about three years ago, I I admitted that I was wrestling with something theologically. Um, Actually, it it was a theology that I I was really having trouble with experientially, where I've had some powerful encounters with with God the Holy Spirit. Um, I've had powerful encounters with uh, uh, God the Son, Jesus, uh, where he's become my treasure, I just want him. Um, But uh, God the Father was kind of a different... Different wrestling match. I don't know if, if anybody has ever uh, wrestled with that before, but sometimes we're, we have these, these powerful spirit encounters, and it's Jesus, I see you on the cross, I see the empty tombs, like, I want you. But God the Father, especially depending on what your experience with your earthly fathers are, uh, has been like, it's harder to grasp the theology behind God the Father. Um, and uh, so I was wrestling with that uh, uh, the past, I'd say, about past three years, I actually remember a time in my own personal study and just quiet time with God, where I said, "I said, you know, God, I, I, teach me of the Father, teach me of the Father." This is about three uh, years ago, and it's interesting too. Like, you know, weeks ago, I uh, I shared about how God unlocked the tears in my heart, and it's it's as the Father's love has been exposed uh, to me. Um, but some of the more outbreaking. Uh, uh, that has gone on in my heart in life as I've been getting to know uh, God the Father, as I've been getting to know the importance of being childlike. Um, I had the extreme and awesome privilege, and don't hate me when I'm about to tell you how blessed I am, all right? So it's, it's, I, I feel good being blessed. I'm, I'm, it's okay. But uh, I was invited to go down to Florida, all right, two weeks ago, okay, to this little island called Anna Maria. Uh, it's very tropical. Um, and uh, go down and just celebrate a, a, a bir- some birthday fun with uh, three other men. No kids. Um, we missed our wives. We missed our kids too. Uh, but it was just uh, some man time. We watched the NFL draft. We saw the Redskins really draft very well. It's going to be a great season. And they will beat the Cowboys, definitely, because that's, that's a promise biblically. And the Eagles, because Eagles what? You know, so anyway, uh, but um, the, uh, we, uh, we watched the draft. It, it, amen. Who is that? Yes. Yes. Amen. I knew I liked you, dude. You should intern. All right. So, but uh, um, the, uh, so we're watching the draft and really the the whole, the whole thing was we're going to go hang out and we're going to eat. All right. Uh, And so, and we did that quite well. Came back heavier. It was wonderful. So, but uh, remember this one day we were going to go out on a boat to kind of, you know, see what we can get into, but a storm blew in. Um, And so we couldn't go out in a boat because the water was too rough. And so we just decided to go down to the beach. And when we got down to the beach, it was kind of overcast and the wind was blowing uh, half decent. And no one was really on the beach, at least not out in the water, not out in the Gulf. Usually the Gulf is, is, uh, you know, very crystal clear and, and like glass. Uh, but this day, it was the surf was insane. It was, uh, I'd say, 8 to 12-foot waves, and they were just coming one after the other, one after the other. And so nobody was in the water because it was deadly, okay? Um, and so you see all these kind of old, retired uh, Floridians walking around like saying, holy cats, the waves and whatnot, and, and they're picking up shells that are being washing up on the beach. But when we got down to the beach, we said, man, those waves look deadly, Let's play, all right? So uh, we, we got into the waves, and I, let me make a long story short, because I could tell you about how we got in our hands on an inner tube and took a half an hour to get my brother Philip on it, all right? So uh, I could tell you that. I could tell you how he was trying to sit Indian-style and ride it all the way into shore and, and died twice, I had to resuscitate I could tell you that, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, we we were—let me just say this. The, the undertow was so severe that, that all of us are in the 200 Pound range and I'm rounding down, and we were we were being drugged out to sea. All right, we were the, the waves. It's not like one big wave would come and you survive it. It's like wave after wave after wave, and we were we were out of breath. We were sore the next day. Uh, we were having a blast, the time of our life. In fact, um, we were growing a, uh, uh, a a watching community on the beach. <laughs> I, I wish I was lying, uh, but uh, people were coming on the beach and pulling out their their phones, we were actually talking, wouldn't it be great if we go out to dinner tonight? And people were like, oh, you are the beach guys. It's on us. All right. We were, we were talking uh, like that. But I, uh, once I found out that we didn't want to fight the inner tube and the waves, the waves are enough. I went to return the inner tube and this whole group of old retired ladies came up to me and go, oh my word, are you one of the men in the waves? And uh, I said, uh, yes, I am. And I bowed for them right there. And they were, they were very excited to, to meet one of the crazy men in the waves. Um, the, uh, I could go on and on and on about this, but here's why I'm talking about this. I, I, I wasn't going on a retreat. We weren't deep into theological study necessarily. We had awesome conversation, the, uh, the four of us. But what I felt like God was doing in my heart and in our hearts, but let me speak uh, for myself here. What I felt like God was, was doing uh, in me was He was issuing me an invitation. He was giving me a divine permission to act like a child. See, I, I, I hadn't been to the, to the beach without my children for that long, for well over a decade, for at least 12 years. I, I had forgotten what it is to actually go to the beach and not watch my kids play and make sure they're safe from sharks jumping and killer waves. I've forgotten what that was like. I'm used to being the dad at the beach, but here's what I felt the father was was, uh, uh, inviting me into, is the father said, I wanna watch you play at the beach. That's what I was getting. It's the first time I've been to the beach without my kids. It was the first time I'd been to the beach in a long time where I really felt like Father wanted to watch me play. Just playing and laughing and being silly, inventing scenarios, and giggling at them for hours and hours. I think this, like, this, is, this is something that has been lost in the church so, in such a bad way, that we grow up so fast and we feel like what God wants is he wants our responsibility instead of our playfulness. Um, I, I was watching a, a, a a video of a, just the spirit breaking out on a church and a worship service, and the worship leader was actually doing somersaults across the stage. And I, I feel like that type of thing is frowned on, but when you know how to play with dad, would anybody get angry at their kids for doing somersaults at the beach? You, you clap for them, right? <laughs> That was a good one. Can you imagine being a, a parent that talks down to kids playing for you? Yeah, you know, I feel like the Father is just like, I want to play with you guys. I paid for you. You are precious in my sight. I want to play more with you. We don't know theology like this today. We prefer the fear, the t- fear tactics that allow uh, pastors to control people. But I'm telling you that you need to be more out of control than you are. You need to begin to play with God again, and you don't need to ask my permission. This is, I was uh, riding home from a basketball game with my son, Ethan, and he just randomly said, have you seen this young man in a while? He's almost as tall as me. He's a, uh, he, he went from, he went from a, a little boy to, to looking like a young man very quickly, and he just, we were just driving 20 minutes of silence, listening to some Keith Green, all right? <laughs> and uh, he just said, dad, I don't wanna get older. Oh. Why, buddy? Because I like being a kid. And we started talking about memories. Well, What's one of your favorite kid memories? He was like, remember when we were in Disney World and we ate at the Crystal Palace? I said, well, I remember the bill. You know, I don't know if I, uh, I, don't know if I quite remember that. But he was like, Dad, I love that. Yeah, I love that. What are some more memories? And we started just celebrating memories because when, when you go from the transition place of being a child and you start, uh, you start moving from a grown-up, a really healthy kid is going to mourn the loss of his or her childhood, and that's important. Kids have to grow up too fast these days. And, and adults should act more like kids than ticked-off adults in the kingdom. There has to be a playfulness— there has to be a playfulness again that comes back to the body. Let, let, me, let me say it this way, let me say, uh, uh, do you know that I've been a pastor for almost 21 years of my life? Do you know that? Do you know how many people I've known in those years And all the seasons of my own uh, wrestling with God in in that time. But I've seen over the years a a problem that emerges no matter what season, no matter what person, no matter what place, no matter what background. There's this this problem in the church, and there's this problem that extends to not just church, outside of the church into life, that people don't know how to be children in the kingdom. And it messes everything up. It messes marriage up. It messes ministry up. It messes leadership up. It messes fathering up. It messes mothering up. You have to, before you're a dad, you know how to be, you have to know how to be a son. Before you're a mom, you have to know how to be a daughter. It's very important. So I'm finding that a lot of people, out of a need to be affirmed, seek leadership. Because it's in that place of leadership, in that that I will finally hear the well done, my boy. And so you're stepping into positions that you should not be in. You need to learn to be a child in the kingdom. You're stepping into marriage to so feel important to somebody else. Having kids so to have, have little people that need you. But the question is, are you ready to be needed? You need to be important to somebody. So say, I think I'll, I'll become a leader. And one of the greatest challenges and issues in the church is that people want to be teachers, but they don't know what it is to be a son. People want to be leaders but they don't know what it is to be a daughter people want to be influencers and influential and inspiring but they don't know how to operate as a child you know there's not much more there's not much more inspiring than children being kids having fun with a feather having fun because the wind blew a little different That's what kingdom inspiration comes from. Spiritual fathers that have no clue how to be a son aren't spiritual fathers. And spiritual mothers who have no clue how to be a daughter aren't spiritual mothers. Yet, if you want to be a leader in God's kingdom, first focus on being a great child in the kingdom. And what happens in a church like this, what happens in a family like this, where people are allowed to skip childhood and go right to a place of importance, so they say, so they feel good, is they become leeches that soak all the goodness out of the church or the family. We're following God, but not as a child. And that type of church, and we know this type of church, my friends, I know this type of church very well. And that type of church actually leads the church to operate in fear as slaves. And so there's always a bum rush for positions of leadership in the church. But when you're leading out of fear, you're leading out of high control. Or if the pastor doesn't agree with this, then uh, I'm going to get it. And the pastor is somehow allowed to operate in this thing called shame. That's unbiblical. Or there, an unhealthy competitiveness emerges. Do you know a real spiritual mom wants her kids to step on her back to rise higher? Do you know that? That's real spiritual parenting. We see a lot of unhealth is like, no, 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 you all serve to advance my deal. So no one's allowed to be raised higher than me. And that's what happens in so much of the church, and it's sickening to me, sickening to me. This is why I thought, can we start a church where the pastor is just a part of the fun, and we're all just celebrating Jesus together. A, a, a church where, uh, where, 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 where not, we don't have to fear, but a church where we gladly honor, where we just respect each other. We're not, com- we're not competitors here. So I want to talk about a few things, whoa, in my six minutes, um, that, uh, that flow out of child. Hopefully you're getting some good stuff out of this already, amen. But uh, are you okay if we get in the Bible briefly here? Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, turn there. I think this is probably, uh, you guys have this memorized, a lot of you, and then keep those Bibles open and get ready to, I'm, I'm going to fly, I'm going to fly here. But here's a, a church, a family, a body, a people that begin to uh, regain the father's invitation to to childlikeness. I, I want to see you play on the beach and not apologize for it. A church that begins to operate like that, there's some great things that flow out of this church. And, and here's the first one: it's faithful obedience. Faithful obedience. Or is this, listen, when faithful obedience is, is, uh, is an overflow of being the beloved. Do you hear this? Faithful obedience isn't a controlling leader shames you into doing what he or she says. Faithful obedience is an overflow of knowing that you're loved by the Father. That's where real obedience actually is obedience. The other one's just fear. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, and that's a huge word. You need to read back and say, hey, what are we coming out of? What, what, what's the therefore, therefore? And so on your own time, do that. You will not be sorry, but therefore be imitators of God, okay? You got to imitate God. <laughs> I don't want to knock Baptists again, but come on, like, right? Uh, so you laughed. Uh, but, uh, or, or, you know, whoever... You know, uh, old school Pentecostals, whoever, man. Just, it's, it's just the kind of church that says, you got to imitate God and you got to try. No, no, no. The Bible says you don't try first and foremost, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. As beloved children, I thought we were supposed to leave childish ways. Childish ways, yes, but not the heart of a child in the kingdom. You're always going to be a son. You're always going to be a daughter, and you never lose that part of your identity in the kingdom. I want you to imitate me, the father says, as a result of being loved by me supremely. Your identity must first be beloved child if you're going to grow. Faithful obedience flows from this stream. Or, how about John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12? Let me just read this to you. Here's John is going off on Jesus, I love it. But to all who did receive him, because Jesus came and some people shunned him and rejected him. They didn't see him as the treasurer that he is, the Messiah that he is. They didn't want him. But some people did want him and some people did receive him. And to those who did receive him, and here's how, who believed in his name, here's what he did. He gave the right to become slaves. He gave the right to become slaves the shamed barely in the kingdom by the skin of their teeth. That's how we preach. That's just not what the Bible says. He gave the right to become his kids, children of God. When we become Christ followers, what do we primarily become? Is it slaves? Is it sinners saved by grace? Is sinner even a part of our identity anymore once we've been washed by the blood? Once the righteousness of Christ has been imputed from his account to ours, is it biblical anymore to call us sinners when the Father sees us as righteous? Like, come on, guys. Like, when's the church going to read the Bible instead of listening to their past traditions? I don't care what your past denomination said. I really care what the heart of God says through his word. And he says, whoever believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, first and foremost, not servants, not the obedient, heartless, not slaves, but his kids. Listen, how about this? Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. The apostle Paul goes after this one. He says, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. This is how I want you to obey. At your new divinely appointed place, you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, you've been given it, you've been adopted. You're not a slave to your son, you're not an orphan, you belong. This is how the kingdom operates. This is what the gospel does. Faithful obedience is an overflow of just being the beloved. But here's another thing that flows out of the church when you begin to regain some childlikeness is worship. Do you know that worship is an overflow of sonship? Do you know this? Worship is an overflow of daughtership. Worship is an understanding of who I am in response to God's greatness as one of his kids. And I get that from Galatians chapter four, verse six. So if you're in Galatians, just back up one verse and look at this. Paul once again says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, that's Jesus, into your hearts. And do you know what the spirit of Jesus cries out on the, from the inside of you? Abba, Father, Daddy. It, it's, here's what Abba, Father is, It's nothing weird. It's just street terminology for dad. It's, it's Aramaic. It's what little kids run around the street when they see their dad come home from work. Abba, daddy, pick me up. And as he's coming home, he grabs his kids as he's walking in. This is what Jesus cries out from inside of you if he is there. Abba, daddy, why do we have a theological problem with what is so blatant? What the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit of Jesus is crying out for you is, you know what Abba is? The Abba cry is a cry for closeness with dad. Just, hey, I'm down here on the street. I'd love to be up in your arms. Will you take me? Yeah, <laughs> come here. Get over here. My daughter, Lena, when I, when I come home and she hasn't seen me for a while, she hugs me so tight around the neck that I don't have to use my arms anymore. I'm just walking around. She's just dangling from my neck. I've got a strong neck. I'm just walking around. I just want to be close. just want to be close. This is where worship starts. At Psalm 84, I just read from this in the call this morning, Psalm 84, 1 through 4, says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. In other words, your dwelling place is the place where your presence manifests, and so it's lovely because I get to be close to where you are. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. This is Old Testament where God manifested himself just in the temple. Now that we're the temple, we get to enjoy God Wherever. But my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Listen, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. Even the birds want their children to be raised in the courts of heaven. This is the cry of all creation. This is what the Spirit cries out in our hearts, Abba, Daddy, closeness, closeness, closeness. And worship starts with childlike, heartfelt cries for closeness, not high and lofty creedal memorization of theological facts that you may or may not even feel. Worship does not start with what we know about God. Worship starts with a desire, authentic, genuine desire for God. So you can skirt by in churches today with everything that you know, I'm just not impressed with that anymore. I've got a master's degree, I can roll with, the, I can roll with most people theologically, and I have. But I'm just not impressed with knowledge as much as I am with intimacy. It's intimacy. You know, when I'm, when I'm looking for leaders at Providence, I'm not looking for people that know, know stuff and like it. You know people like that? You know people like that? No people like that? No people like that? Are your teachers like that at school? They know things and they like it about themselves? So are mine. Watch this. Anybody get this geometric fact? Wow. Oh, watch me do it. Oh, wow. All honor. All hail to you. Good. <laughs> so, you know, here's, here's, what, here's what I'm looking for in the church. <laughs> Brought this. This is my little daughter's Easter present to me. <laughs> you see this? You see that, Bob? You see these guys? Um, is this going to be hanging in the Smithsonian one day? Well, m- maybe if she's super famous, probably not. But she didn't draw it to hang in the Smithsonian. In fact, you hang it next to that thing. You know who the master artist is. But she just made this for dad. She just made this for dad. The church has chased excellence. Like God is somehow impressed with what we do. Instead of inviting us to do this for him. Grace, who's just part of the prayer team up here wrote me a, uh, a note after I came back from sunbathing and eating too much in Florida. And she says, uh, to the best dad in the whole wide world, look on the back, okay? From Grace and Lena, they drew a whole combination of hearts, love you, smiley faces. This is what dad wants. This is what, this is all dad wants. I, I, I got a picture of Grace in my pocket. She selfied herself. And I just, just said, I'm just kidding. It's just, a, just a, a picture of her smiling. This is what the father wants you you're, he's not, he's not a judge seeing if you're good. He's a father wanting you close. This is what should be the defining mark of the church, guys. This, this. So I want to talk about just one thing as, as I, as I wrap up here, one thing about, about worship that, that confuses people so much. I hear this weekly, weekly, weekly. I hear this and it's hand raising, hand raising. You talk to some people and you're like, well, at the church I came out of, we only read the KJV. And if you raised your hand out of, out of exuberance to God in worship, you'd get it lopped off, <laughs> biblically, by the deacons. Well, don't mess with that. Well, hand raising. Can I tell you that hand raising is not a sign of spirituality? Somebody's raised, anybody can raise their hands. They raise their hands at NFL games all the time. It doesn't mean they're closer to Jesus. All right? Here, let me tell you in reverse order. Number three, raising your hand is a natural response to a victory. It's a natural thing built into humanity uh, to, to, to resonate with something glorious that just happened, something victorious that just happened. And so if you go to a, 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 an NFL game or a hockey game, or you go to uh, a, a race of some kind, a Kentucky Derby, don't know why that's on my mind, you see all these very rich, very proper people dressed to the tee, wearing big old hats, but when their horse wins, they're, they're Pentecostals. <laughs> it's not the spirit of God. it's how God's wired us to respond to something great.! <laughs> yeah, That's Latina. Oh! Oh, so how come in your church you couldn't do that? Because you came from a fear-filled controlling church that made that made the pastor uncomfortable and he decided to squelch you instead of turn you loose. Amen. You raise your hands in in victorious celebration. That's number three. Number, number two is this, it's a sign of surrender. Somebody holds you, someone you're in giant, someone pulls out a sword and <laughs> holds it up to your neck. Dude, I don't know where you got the sword, but you're good with it. What do you need? My wallet? My kids? Huh? Take whatever you need. It's a sign of surrender. Sign of surrender. No, 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 no. Sometimes you need to come in church and you just need to do this. I can't even sing today. Cannot even sing today. All I can do is surrender. That's all I can do. All I can do. But here's a big one here's the one I want you to go home with, is that holding your hands up like this is an Abba cry for closeness. This is written on kids from Ecuador to Saudi Arabia to India to every remote Fijian island to Pennsylvanians even. When daddy comes in the house and if you want to be in his lap, you do this, hold me, hold me, hold me. It's closeness, it's closeness, it's closeness, and it's the heart of worship. This is what you do. Let the confusion stop today. God, God, God I just want to be close. I just want to be close to today. I'm not a theologian, but I'm a child. I just want to be close to your heart hearing your heartbeat, feeling your breath on my head, just wrapped in your strength. I just want you to carry me. You do the work, and I'll enjoy your person. That's what it is. That's what it is. Just down with with making everything complicated, and let's be children again. Let's be children again. Church, let's be children again. We don't have to be impressive. We just need to be children. And so leaders, I just want to speak to you. If you're a leader at Providence, let this be a new season where, where you return and you welcome childlike playfulness. Sometimes people get tired of you, of you just getting stuff accomplished. I'd rather see a few things go a little bit lax and we don't get everything accomplished, but the people that you're serving and leading, they're fired up and giddy. They're doing somersaults during the worship. They're they're tithing with with a renewed vigor. They're out serving with with renewed vision. Because the heart of the Father is returning. If you're someone that's seeking leadership at Providence, I would say, like, save money on a degree and make sure that you're a son or daughter first. Because so many people, you waste tens of thousands of dollars on a degree that skips your childhood and makes you think you're great. Instead of being a child that's like, man, my dad's strong. Wow, hold me. That's the kind of person I'm looking for at Providence. That's the kind of leaders we want here at this church. Kids that can run around the beach. (laughs) Come on, man. Kids that can run around the beach and do headstands with Jesus. Kids that are just like, oh, wow, look at that. Just, this one's just blown away. Hands on head, hands on head. (laughs) that is a whole new, like, biblical level. It's just like, whoa, I, I, I can't even, I, wow, whoa, whoa. You're good. Who wants this? Who wants this, guys? And if you want this, just stand your feet. Here you go. Just, if you want this, just stand your feet. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning. And God, man, we, we want a childlikeness to return to the church again. We want to be captivated, with who you are again, and we, we, we wanna play with you. God, the cross doesn't keep us far off, it welcomes us close. Oh God, open our hearts to closeness with you again. Just make us childlike. God, I, I pray for anybody here that they would call themselves religious, but they don't know what it is to be brought into relationship, to, to be a child of the kingdom. They haven't believed in that kind of a way. They've believed in Jesus historically, but they haven't believed in you as their savior who's better than every sin they preferred over you. And they just say, make me yours. Make me a child in your kingdom. That's all I want. I pray for those people, just that salvation would come to their house right now. And I just pray for a a restored, a revival of of being happy to be in your arms again, just a a, a crying out for intimacy again with, with the Father. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Son, but thank you, Father, that you want us. Thank you, Father, that you, the place that you want us is up in your lap. Touch us, God. Touch us, God. Just pray your rich blessing over every single person here, that you would, you would just be still on them, your, your greatest blessings, your heart and all of its heavy, weighty wonder. Bless people. I ask and I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys.